Episode 9 of Ricky Richards Represents. In what I do, I think it's helpful to have that background, the whole process of coming up with an idea and doing a sketch and then moving on to a final and having feedback. I was trained in that in college and also the influence of history of design and art that I studied while I was at university as well, that was also a huge influence. Hello everyone and welcome to Ricky Richards Represents, the show where we talk to leading figures of creativity and innovation. Today I'm talking to Justin Poulter, the internationally represented illustrator, about his creative journey and the steps he took to get represented. Hey everyone, hope you're well, thank you for tuning into the podcast. Today I'm joined with a friend of mine called Justin Poulter, who's a, an illustrator I'm sure you'll check out his work. He's amazing. But uh, without further ado, I'll pass over to him just to explain a little bit more about what he does day to day. Hi, I'm Justin Poulter, and I'm an illustrator and uh, lettering artist. I'm freelance and work mainly in advertising. So uh, the first time I met you, obviously we were working together in an agency setting. And one of the standout things part of who you are and your brand is the fact that you're from South Africa and I was just wondering if you know why you decided to leave in the first place I decided to leave because I had first of all I had the opportunity to leave my um, father is British and I was able to get a British passport through him I also my girlfriend wanted to move here planned it with her and then also it was I felt like it was a progressive move for my career I was able to um, make some contacts on the side and um, it, it, it seemed like the right direction to go for me. So the South African design community, as far as I know, is, is relatively strong. But uh, So what were your experiences of, of the community there? Really cool, really supportive. Um, a lot of friends of mine in ad agencies and stuff gave me, gave me jobs in the beginning and put me, you know, put me in touch with really cool clients. And there's like a really... A cool sense of community there in the in the design industry and have you found that to be the case in london or not really um i'm slowly getting there slowly meeting more people and stuff you know so the more jobs i do the more my network is building and i'm, I'm hoping that it's going to be something like that but i can't really say it is yet as i i don't know sure it's but, like it takes a little while to break yeah, in in london yeah. like everyone experiences that yeah. um do you think that south africa affected your style of work you know obviously you grew up there but is have you taken key influences from that from from the area definitely from illustrators that do do similar stuff to me you know that were like ahead of me in in college and university and and also guys that are working at the time when i was studying were a big influence um just as as well as um local art and uh, especially local sign writing I was really into and that's been like a big influence on my typographic stuff hand typography there's a really good video of you that uh, Vans did that where you were uh, uh, you know they showcased your work uh, in South Africa but and you, you got to see all the sign writing I'll link that up in the show notes but why do people choose to to do hand lettering as opposed to graphical stuff is that I think it's a cost thing, and um, so a lot of the a lot of the cafes and corner stop shops and stuff like off licenses will have sign writing done by hand, as opposed to like vinyl lettering. If 
for them i think it's probably just to save save money and, and perhaps like support a friend of theirs who's a sign writer but uh, for me it's just like a really unique and beautiful way of doing sign writing of doing signage so is there would you say there's more of a densely populated kind of group of of talented hand letterers there and think, and, and I also so. i mean i think a lot of them are like generational kind of businesses where the fathers have taught the sons and it's been passed down so I've, I've worked with one or two guys before that have been kind of done it their whole lives and i think it's a i think it's a great uh, craft yeah definitely and i think the kind of hand lettering in general has had you know it's, it's hugely popular over in in the uk because of copywriting and being able to uh, you know display that in an interesting way as well as the visual or typically art direction would be image copy would be the type but now they're kind of merging through illustration and all that kind of stuff i'm interested to know because obviously there's the rugby that's very prevalent from south africa that's quite big in the uk and the only other band that i really know that i always get the name wrong i was diantwert and diantwert yeah the answer the answer, yes. Yeah. I love that video where they display uh, show what how they came up with their name. But is there anything else that you point out in the UK that's particularly that's from South Africa that you uh, you know you recognise? Uh, I think foods. Uh, some foods I see often in markets and stuff. I've seen a lot of drivos or um, biltong, which is like dried sausage, kind of like beef jerky. I suppose it is that really, isn't it? It's the food. The foods of, you know, Mrs. Ball's chutney. I don't know if you've seen that. No. It's <laughs> great. Something to look for. What, uh, what, what do you miss from home then? Mainly, I think I miss my friends and family. Culturally, is there anything you yeah. do? I think it's very similar. The cultures, the, like the Western culture, you know, the culture I grew up in is, is kind of it's fairly similar to here. I think here there's a massive drinking culture, which is there, but here it's kind of like on another scale. Yeah, <laughs> but uh... <laughs> that's true that people, it's interesting you can bring up the conversation around like drugs and stuff, but people don't often see alcohol as a drug over here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. But I think there are a lot of similarities in the culture, in well, at least in the, in the, the culture that I was brought up in. You know, there are many different cultures in South Africa. Yeah. Is your schooling system very similar? Well, I don't know because I didn't oh, go to school here. Sure, but it's... I mean, um, is it college, university? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, we don't go to college. So um, we write, we do uh, matric exams right. at the end of um, high school and then that qualifies us for university. Right. But um, and is school so when we talk about colleges there, we talk about universities. Okay. It's just another word for university, really. And is schooling free? Uh, no, uh, but there are, if you are um, underprivileged, there are you right. know, like bursaries available and stuff like that. So Okay, cool. Yeah. Moving on, skateboarding seems to be quite a big influence for you. I mean, we're friends on Facebook and I'm constantly seeing these amazingly innovative moves popping up on my <laughs> feed. And um, I was just wondering if that is true and, and if so, what draws you to skateboarding? Uh, just uh, the love of the sport, I guess. Like, well, the, I wouldn't really call it a sport, but like the... I got into it when I was really young and it's just like a, like a subculture, I guess, that I've always been a part of and something that's influenced me right from the early stages, you know, in terms of like design and music and everything. It's like all revolves around it, you know. 
the graphics on the skateboards influenced my illustration and the music in the videos influenced like the music that I listen to now still. I noticed that often when I see people share skateboarding videos, it'll be this amazing big trick or something. But you seem to highlight more of the like intricate street tricks that seem to to be creative you know yeah i like the i like the innovative stuff because nowadays like in skateboarding everyone everyone's like so good that every single video that comes out is just like unbelievably like good and i know that like as a skateboarder like myself i can never be able to get to that level so i kind of like the stuff that's just on a smaller scale and a bit more like achievable i guess Stuff, you, say stuff could, you can have a go, but yeah. you know you're going to smash up your shins. But Yeah, like stuff that like I could, I might not be able to do, but at least I could try without killing myself. Who are your favourite riders? And if there was like any videos or something you reckon people should check out, is, is there any on the top of your mind? I think like my favourite all-time skaters are like the old school guys like Ray Barbie, the people that he's influenced, like more current guys like Pontus, Pontus Alv. I like that kind of style of skating. But then also like really like old school kind of shredders like you know Jeff Riley. Yeah, I remember. I think um, Tony Hawk's was like the pro skater game when that came out because I was a kid. Yeah. All of the like unlocking those videos at the end and watching them and. Yeah, yeah. All the, those all those guys in the in in Tony Hawk's are like amazing. He was the Flatland guy that was just in Rodney Mullen. Rodney Mullen, yeah, man. A, like, he he's was invented a most. He's invented most of the skateboarding tricks people do today. Him and Mark Gonzalez, I think. Mark Gonzalez is probably actually my favourite skateboarder. Transitioning a little bit, but you used to work for I Love Dust, which yeah. is like a really well-respected agency here in London. I'm curious to know what it was like and also why you decided to leave in the end, because, I mean, it's a wicked studio. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool working for them. I learned a lot there. because I, I, I left college and I started my own company straight out of college. And I did, that was, that was as I was saying, like a friend's... Of, friends of mine like put me in touch with cool clients and stuff and it got going really quickly and like I was we were doing a lot of work and stuff and but then I felt like oh you know I don't I haven't really like had the opportunity to learn from people that are more experienced than I am like in specifically what I want to do in illustration because my course was my my course that I just studied was graphic design so when the opportunity came up to go and do an, like an internship with them, I took that opportunity and moved over, and that then like progressed into me like being junior and then middleweight, and then it kind of just got to a point where it felt like it was time to move on. You'd got what you came to in terms of your learning. Yeah, and sometimes you know when you work in at a place, you just realise that like the senior there isn't space for you to move up. You know, sure, it's, and it's it's more like better to move on when you were starting up your own thing were you was that for you as an independent creative or were you looking to employ people at that time when you first started out well i started with a friend of mine from college what happened was we um were asked by our our university to design a stand to represent the university at this design fair in cape town called design Darbo, which is the biggest design fair in the country it happens every year yeah, I've heard good things about that. Yeah, it's really great. They have like amazing um, speakers that come from all over the world and talk there and stuff. We designed this the stand for them, which was like mainly illustration based, and it ended up winning the best stand at the fair. So that got us like some inquiries and interest and stuff, and then we decided from that point to like start working together full time. And so 
we started a company it was called one horse town yeah the ball just got running from there like one project um led to another and but then i got to a point where i was just felt like it was all moving too quickly and like i needed to learn from people that have more experience than me so it wasn't that there was challenges in terms of getting work it was more that you wanted to challenge yourself to yeah. develop further yeah yeah it seems to me like i've spoke to a lot of people within the creative realm and it's interesting that everyone i speak to seem to design their universities like branding <laughs> or the the you know the exhibition that yeah. were because they tend to give that to the student of the year right like oh this guy's obviously works really hard he's very good and then that seems to be the first project they do almost. I don't know if it's a, that's an interesting sign to be able to go to a university and say, who did your branding this year? Because that tends to be the student that a lot of the lecturers go, oh, like they, they, they deserve the opportunity, I guess. Yeah, it was, um, it was a cool, it was a really cool collaborative piece as well. Because like, as I say, I was working with Simon, this guy that I, a friend of mine that we started this business together with. Is, is, he, is he still illustrating? He is, and he's still working under that name as well, which is cool. So oh, he's the, awesome. the company is still going. It's just um, it's him. He's, he's running with it now. Fantastic. Um, and then the other cool part to the project was that we collaborated with um, industrial designers and um, other people from the, from the design faculty. So it was, it was a really it was a cool, um, cool first big project. Have, again, having worked with you, one of the things I really admired was the fact that you're quite a headstrong individual and that you have your own opinions and that you're not afraid of effectively to not fight for your ideas as much, but to have rationale for why you're doing things. And I was just wondering if you've always been that way and if not, like how you've developed that and why you've developed that. Is, is it as a, a result of clients trying to change your work or where did that come from? I think it's definitely is something to do with that, with clients, um, being i mean i you know, work with a lot of art directors that are very critical and stuff and i think that helps to to make you critical of your own work it helps you know to just to step back and um really like analyze it, what you're doing it seems to be a bit of a trend that that people the people that tend to be good that their biggest critic is themselves you know they have this very very hypercritical eye and when other people are saying no oh, this is really good they can still see the flaws in it almost yeah, I can always like I'm always looking back at projects on my website and stuff, and like I'm publishing them because I just feel like I progressed from there, you know. Yeah. Um. I also, after working at Isle of Dust, I worked as a head of illustration at a company called Ami Collective, and um, I was in charge of fifteen illustrators there, junior illustrators. So I was like creative directing them and managing clients and all that kind of stuff, and that helped to develop my more critical side as well and it helped to like learn how to articulate my criticism as well i mean that's a fine balance for a lot of people basically that feedback process of being able to speak to someone who's put their heart and soul into a piece of work and to give them advice that's going to make this thing better but without crushing their uh, enthusiasm so to speak did you experience that at times when you were having to steer the ship and if so like did you learn anything from that yeah i think um you know, I always try to be as nice as possible and you, you don't want to hurt people's feelings because, you know, I know what it's like being like a, a junior in a place and up until your first job, like, you know, maybe in college, people have been very supportive of your work. That's like how you've got to that point, you know, and then when you're presenting your work to someone and they're telling you it's wrong or it's, you know, so that can be like a, 
bit of a challenge yeah and like i you know i experienced that um you know that was that's you know the reason one of the reasons of getting back to like why why i left my own thing and went out of dust is because i felt like i wasn't getting that that feedback from people and um you know i i developed quite a thick skin yeah i think after that time and so like i had to picture myself at that point being that junior um when giving the feedback to these people but at the same time like I knew that like the deadline was encroaching and the clients were going, where's the work? And like, so you have to find a balance of like being really like quite stern and then being nice. Yeah, yeah, sure. And supportive. But you see, the point which I think is really interesting there again is that once you go past the point of being offended about people giving you critical feedback on your work, eventually you come to this point where you go in search of it because you want to get better. And that you realise actually once you've been through three or four projects where that bit of feedback has improved your work, that actually it can benefit. But I think it always, the balance always comes because it needs to come from the right person, people that are genuinely really good. Whereas so often we're being given feedback from clients who don't really know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. And that's, like that again, that's a balancing act. Yeah, yeah. Like I always um, uh, try to explain exactly why I thought this change should be made like in as much, as much detail as possible so that like, you know, to justify like them having to go back and change their work. Cause so often like I'll get feedback where it's just like, Oh, do this, do that, do this without yeah, any purely subjective yeah. without any rationale. Yeah. Have you always been good at drawing? Uh, I don't know. You know, like you, you're always getting better. So sure. But, um, I, I've always had like encouragement from, from friends and family and stuff, you know, when your five-year-old pictures are up on the wall, they're not some like, <laughs> yeah. no, that's still, they look still... much like any other five-year-old's drawings. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I think I was just had great encouragement from my family and friends. It's, it's stereotypical for illustrators to be quite introverted, but you're quite a sociable character. Is, do you think that's just a massive generalization? I think so. Yeah. You know, I guess that like kind of rational behind that is that like kids were like at home drawing when they were, they should have been playing, but, I wasn't that kid. It's amazing how much you produce considering that you still do do a lot of stuff. It's it's interesting that people who constantly work because they're really passionate about it but then still seem to have loads of time to do other things. And I think it's just because if you're into it, you zone in, you're in flow state, right, effectively. Yeah. No, I have to tell myself to stand up and walk around because like the day, some days I like don't even get up from my desk for hours, you know. Like you say, I just zone into it. But I also love what I do, so sometimes um, I have to work late and stuff, but uh, I'm happy to do that if the project's, you know, if I'm enjoying the project, which is most of the time. Do you think you could be an illustrator without a computer? Yeah, I, I think my style and would be different, definitely. The style that I've developed revolves around using the computer. I think I can still draw without the computer, so it would just be different. Did you choose at a point in time to go, like, did you make it an aware decision that I'm going to go f- to do illustration by the computer rather than hand stuff? Uh, no, it was more just like a case of um, practicality and time doing something as quick as possible. Like, for example, it took me a while actually to get onto the tablets at first. Like I would draw everything by hand and then scan it and then with a mouse, like trace things in uh, with a pen tool and like illustrator and stuff. And eventually... I stopped doing that and now I do all my sketching and stuff on the tablet in Photoshop 
So it just makes just makes things quicker to do everything digitally. And that's not to say that I don't ever want, want to do anything like murals and stuff, you know. But you once showed me, I think it was a photo of or some sketches that you and your girlfriend had been doing. You draw drawn each other's faces or like uh, different yeah. poses or like life drawing almost. Is that just do you keep that up? Is or is that just? To be honest, I don't really. I'm been so busy lately with work that like my free time I don't really spend drawing but um I'm always thinking about like how I should actually be doing stuff more stuff like that do you think that being able to draw on the computer translates to being able to draw by hand yeah in some ways definitely it depends what style you know yeah yeah yeah. and the kind of tools you're using etc yeah if you could work on any project what what do you think what what do you think that dream project is for you do you, is there ever an end i've been really interested in branding lately and um i'd, I'd like to work on like a, a branding project like a huge branding project that covers you know illustration typography and all that stuff you know i can't really say that like there's any specific dream project what excites me is just like the different briefs i get all the time and that's what keeps me going is that like every, every project is so different you know a lot of people struggle with that especially if they're trying to create a style but i think yours is so strong that it doesn't matter what project you get coming your way it still finds its way yeah yeah that's that's what keeps it exciting for me um photography is another passion of yours and i know you've kind of only got into that recently but i wondered if like if you've learned any lessons so far and if so what they are and again this is a purely personal question because i'm trying to get into it as well a little bit and you know i've seen some of your photos are really good just curious to know um i think i've the thing i've learned about photography is that like it's really really hard like every time like i I go out and i take pictures and i look back at them i'm like oh this is just not good you know and like when i look at great work i'm like wow this is so amazing but like you know you look at a picture and you're like i could have taken that picture but then when you try it you can't get it as easily and i just I just the more the more I take pictures, the more I have respect for like great photographers. Yeah. Because it it is really difficult. And do you you lean more towards the street photography stuff? Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone in particular that you look to and say, wow, like? I really like um, Ed Templeton. He's a skateboarder and photographer and artist and illustrator. I like his kind of street photography stuff and Nan Golden. And what's your approach? Do you no, tend to just go out and? Yeah, so like I mainly just carry the camera with me, and if something happens, then I'll take a picture of it, you know, and that's just that's just the luck kind of thing. I don't. Yeah. I have been out before, like being like specifically out to take pictures, but I don't do that often. Yeah, I I had a go like that. I went out the other night and kind of at night time to have a mess around with the settings, you know, yeah. like and to to get used to the ISO and shot speed and like how to play with this stuff on the fly because i think part of it is speed because especially with street photography you're having yeah. to capture a moment unless you know the camera inside out it's very difficult it's yeah it's really hard i, I sometimes i guess sometimes what i do though is like i'll walk somewhere instead of taking the taking the tube or a taxi or something and, and and then hopefully get some photos on the way so in some ways i guess i do make time for it that's no, nice yeah. i think it's good it's a good thing to to have going yeah. Going back to your work again, at this moment in time, you're ne- you've now got two agents, one here in the UK and one in New York. 
which for many aspiring illustrators is like the dream you've accomplished it but one thing which I always wonder is does your style ever become too much of a a cell for you to work in where you want to explore with other things but people employ you for that reason definitely I mean that's uh, that does happen but I think with my style it's quite versatile you know I've got like the more typographic stuff and the more illustrated stuff and so I find that every project is it's been quite different. Um, some people's styles are like really specific, like some people just do icons or something like that. And then I can, can see how it could become tedious. But I think with the stuff I do on my website, see if you go to see, it's like there's a lot of different different kind of stuff. So. You've even broken into video recently, right? I noticed you've done a project like for a big, big sports brand. I did a project with Under Armour. They're a shoe and sportswear company. And for their shoe, they did with Stephen Curry, who's an NBA basketball player. Which is, you know, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was a cool project, yeah. I mean, uh, like Under Armour being, they're basically taking over the market share of Nike. So, I mean, you can't get a much, a much bigger client than that, really. Yeah, no, no, it Pretty. was huge. In fact, I, I wasn't so aware of the brand myself when I, when I got the brief and then, my agent was like, this is huge, this is huge. And then I looked into it. And then shortly after that, I actually went on a trip to New York and everyone was wearing Under Armour. So I was really, yeah, really excited to work with them. And that was for, was that for Droga? Droga 5, yeah. Who are again, like another, probably the best agency in New York, would you yeah, say? Yeah, fantastic. They're actually Australian originally. Oh yeah, so, cool. Yeah, they're, they're... But they have... Uh, an amazing office which I got to see um, when I, while I was over in New York on uh, Wall Street. So what is representation like? I mean, did you wake up that morning and be like, I've made it as far as being an illustrator is concerned? Uh, there was definitely a sense of that like, because I'd tr- be trying so long to get represented and um, but then it's I realised soon afterwards that it's not being represented is one thing but then getting projects is another. So there was the first one or two months um didn't get that much work so I was fresh on their books and everything but then it started uh, getting really busy and uh, since over the last couple of months now I've pretty much been back to back on jobs which has been which has been really cool and they're all through my agents just for people that don't know uh, myself included like how much do com- commission does a does an agent get out of a project they, they take different commissions uh, with two different agents like a, an average of the two maybe uh, 20% and I suppose if the, if the work's come in and they're bigger but, projects yeah and the thing that they do well is like negotiate the prices and stuff you know I've always I've always been really bad at talking money and um, they that's what they do they, they're able to um, make sure that uh, for the value they're getting these the clients are getting from me like it's the money's um, right you know I can't imagine finding many projects like Under Armour on your doorstep, but if you happen to find a project off your own back, do they take commission on that? Uh, so they have their regions, um, so it depends where it comes from. Right. But um, I like I like using the agents because, um, you know, as I say, they handle a lot of the stuff that's uh, the nitty gritty that, like, I don't like to really get involved in if, it. If the, if the project starts getting prolonged and stuff like that, they can step in and... Yeah, and... Um, just all the admin and stuff you know like it, it it gives me more time to focus on the projects and to do better work um do you think illustrators should go to uni and the, the reason i ask that is because especially here in the uk like 
university fees are astronomical. If you're extremely talented, can you see people justifying the cost? I think it depends in what kind of industry you want to work in. I think in what I do, I think it's helpful to have that background and the training because it, it prepared me for my projects that I did, you know, it's fresh out of college. The whole process of like coming up with an idea and doing a sketch and then moving on to a final and having feedback. I was trained in that in college and um, also the influence of um, history like history of design and art that I studied while I was at university as well. That was also a huge influence. So The crossovers between subjects coming in and just influencing your understanding of the industry as a whole. Yeah, I think it was definitely helpful. Like I don't regret um, spending three years at university at all. I also, at the same time, I think that there are people that are amazingly talented and like, you know, they might just need to do a short course in the software or something to be able to work digitally or I don't I don't think it's necessary to study. It all depends on the person and what kind of style of work they want to do and what kind of industry they want to work in. Yeah, it's a shame because, yeah, I feel like there's a bunch of industries where if there was some good kind of incubators that got them from, you know, early college level up to uni level, but without them costing an absolute arm and a leg. Yeah, the cost is huge and, you know, like no one's ever asked to look at my degree like yeah i mean same i don't think anyone has ever been asked it's all about your portfolio like if your portfolio is good enough you know you'll get the jobs continuation from that last question of uh, the, the more personal questions but what advice would you give to budden illustrators that are looking to break into the industry you know you've had a pretty much model path of what slip-ups or roadblocks have you faced along the way that maybe people can learn from your experiences i think the best advice is to go and work for someone first before you go out on your own. Uh, as I say, like I went out on my own first and then and then I went to go work for someone and I really, I've learned so much more in that time I was working for someone than I did in that year I worked for myself. But I think also it's important to have, um, it's important to have your own style, but then at the same time, it's important to be able to be versatile and to, to do other stuff, you know, because um, sometimes... When, especially when you're starting out, you're not going to be able to get loads of work just for your own style. So it's important to be able to do a bit of everything. This is what I found actually interesting with working with you is that you were happy to experiment with some other styles when uh, working on other projects, even though you had this very core uh, style that you had yourself. A lot of illustrators, I, I see, I kind of feel frustrated in agencies, especially if they are working in an agency, because... They know what their style is, but they're having to work on all these other projects, which deviates them from their style. So it feels like every minute they're in there, their mind's in a place of being, wanting to be an individual outside of a company, but they're having to work for the company. So uh, as a maybe a, a counteraction to that last point, like is there is, do you just recommend people work in their own time on their own stuff if they're not able to create their own style at work? Yeah, I, I think definitely. Like sometimes it's hard. To- in a studio to find your own style like you say or your own path to like it's hard to uh, if a studio is known for a certain type of work and that's not your type of work you know you probably aren't going to get projects in for what you do and then I think it's important to definitely work outside um, of that and do your own thing but I think it's always important to actually just do your own projects as well you know to take part in exhibitions and or 
just you know make your own zines or whatever it is like to working for clients is great and it's really rewarding but um you're never going to be able to just like have that complete freedom to do whatever you want to do when there's money involved so it's important to you know, do your own thing on the side the other thing i've noticed with styles as well is that it's almost impossible for people to to start developing it without looking to the people that they're really inspired by but then often you basically get clones of the people who are really popular in a moment in time. Like how did you go about being inspired by the people that you were influenced by, but not emulate them to a point where, at what point did you break off and create your own thing? I, I think this, my influences were all quite different. And I think that's what's made it my own sort of thing is that I was you know, into these like, graphic novel illustrators and then into these sign writers and into all this uh, stuff that doesn't really like live together in the same world and so it was it was a jumble of stuff that yeah, kind of came together in yeah, a different think, vision altogether yeah yeah which i th- which i think is an important point when you talk about inspiration in general because people tend to go to popular culture meaning things which everyone consumes and that doesn't really lend itself to being an individual in, in any capacity really no I, I mean i've always been like a like a digger you know like when it comes to music or film and stuff like that, I've always been trying to find like some odd stuff, and that's uh, I approach like my influences in illustration in the same way. Right. So moving on from all of those questions, we've got some just some quick fire stuff. So, is there anything that you do in terms of ritual to get into the flow of your work? Well, uh, most mornings I go swim. I mean, before I start working, I go swim at the gym. That's one thing. Um, coffee. Is essential. <laughs> I'm a big, really into coffee, and I can't get started without that. And I watch a lot of documentaries and stuff while I'm working. That kind of keeps me focused. I mean, this place is quite quiet compared to the office, which was yeah, a bit, a bit more quiet. a bit more noisy. Like, do you like the quiet? I like the quiet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, mean, I do personally. I, I find it really difficult to focus in there. Quite loud environment. Yeah, and I think also just like being surrounded by my own my own things, like my own prints and books, and because these are the things that you know, like they inspire you. Inspire me. And yeah. I prefer that's why I prefer working from home. Um, is there one thing that you've learned that's kind of changed your life forever? And it, was there anything along the way? And maybe it is this idea of inspiration and digging that that took your work from what from where it is and just took it up a whole another level. You know, we were talking about this earlier, like, you know, being self-critical and I, there are there are things that I, I don't put out, but I do put out most of the things I do because um, I feel that, like, even even sending work to clients, I have the same approach as, like, posting on my Instagram, you know. I've, I've got that same quality uh, control, you know. And I think that is true with your stuff when I look at it, is quality control. Like, yeah. you definitely, you don't do anything you're very considered yeah yeah i like I, I zoom in a lot you know when i'm working like i even though i might get i might be doing a piece that's like for a small thing in, inside a magazine article i'll be zooming into it like as if it was like billboard size to make sure that it's 100 percent, you know because uh, i'll be able to sleep at night if it isn't let's, let's jump into resource questions and i think this is potentially where we could you know seems as you are a digger and so what um book or learning resource has had a, a really big impact on you i don't i i have i mean this might sound, sound like a really obvious um thing to mention but i really like the behance network 
it's uh, there's so many people on there and I'm always discovering new work through there and I find it's such a great tool to um, promote your own work as well and uh, my you know my website runs through that and well who I'm curious to know some of your favorite illustrators uh, I like a lot of the illustrators that are like actually like graphic novel illustrators like um, Charles Burns and um, I really like old uh, comic book illustrators like um, Robert Crumb I like artists like uh, street artists a lot of street artists like Barry, Barry McGee and um, and I guess uh, same, same kind of question but a favourite movie or documentary I really like David Lynch movies it's like I like movies that have we watch them over and over again and you don't really, really understand them. And every time you watch them, you see more kind of things in, in them. And have you seen, have you seen Primer? Uh, I have it's time travel. One, right? Time travel one yeah. super low budget. Yeah. That one's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. There's another one that they did. It's like, I think it's the same director. He's like a, what's his name? He was a scientist and then he, Oh, I've no idea, but you have to dig out on the internet yeah. so I can, uh, so I can find it. I don't think there's that much more to be said other than, well, I guess, what projects are you working on right now and uh, where are the best places for people to find you? At the moment, I'm working on a project with the London agency. Uh, it's a typographic project. I can't really say who it's for yet, but it's gonna. it has some pretty cool usage on it, so it's going to be all around. Recently, just finished a colouring in book for uh, National Geographic. Amazing. Which is like a really cool project. Um, uh, that's being released uh, in the next few months. And um, uh, so they've also officially made me like an author with them, which is cool. So I'm going to be doing some more coloring in books in the future. Fantastic. And uh, recently just finished a project for Delta Airlines, which is exciting. And the website address? JustinPolter.com. All of that will be linked up in the show notes. Um, for people that I guess who are illustrators, I really hope that they've, you know, Justin's been on a really interesting path and has basically smashed it every step of the way. And so I just hope that people can get some good value out of this. I'm sure they will. Um, thank you for doing the interview. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ricky. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Hey, folks. Just wanted to say thank you for listening. If there's anything from the show that you wanted to delve into in more depth, you can do so over at the show notes, which you'll find at rickyrichards.com. While you're there, if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, you can now do so via iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. If anyone is feeling particularly generous, I appreciate every single review left on iTunes. It does me the world of favors and helps me to attract more notable guests to the show. Lastly, if you'd like episodes directly into your inbox, you can do so via the mailing list, which you will find on every page on my website, which I will repeat is rickyrichards.com. Thank you for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. Have a great day wherever you are in the world. Bye for now.